Good morning, Northwest. It's wonderful to see you uh, again, <clears throat> and uh, wonderful to be back, uh, being able to talk about God's Word without the same problem that I had last time. Last time I preached, I had a, a, a kidney stone happening as I was preaching, so I would just like to say apologies to the first service. Whatever I said last time when I was preaching, it might not have been right, <clears throat> it might not have been good. I don't remember a thing that I said. It's good to be uh, kidney stone free. May I recommend that type of life? It's, it's truly, yeah, that's exactly how I felt when it got rid of, I tell you. Woo, there goes my notes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. This morning, we're going we're gonna to start a new series called Dreams. <clears throat> and uh, dreams are an important part of our life. Dream, you don't actually have to be a Christian to have dreams. But um, dreams should at least be one of the most important things for Christians because God has to give us bigger pictures of what he wants to do through us. He's got to show us bigger things than maybe what we could ever imagine by ourselves. And so we're doing this whole uh, month about dreaming. And I don't know what, what many of you are like, but sometimes when you haven't necessarily experienced a lot of life, you can have the freedom to have dreams, big dreams, exciting dreams, wonderful dreams. But sometimes what can happen is the older we get, the more those dreams find that they lose their passion, maybe lose their fire. The older you get, the more you realize maybe you're running out of time. Maybe this body's not gonna keep up with those dreams that I imagine to have. Wet blankets start to be thrown over your own fire. Maybe you start to speak in that type of way. Maybe you start to just accept the standard or the level that you're at in life and just go, well, I was hoping to have a great spouse, but then I guess maybe I'll just be single for the rest of my life. I was hoping to be successful in business, but I guess this is the job I've got and I should just settle for it right now. Maybe you've decided that I was hoping to have a ministry or a goal in life or to be successful or to even be debt free and you've decided just go, well, I guess I'll just have to live with debt in my life from now on. And we give up on the dreams that we've desired. We give up on the dreams that we once had. It's really easy to do it. I've done it myself. It's easy to have a dream, be excited about it, have the motivation, speak in faith and then just one day passes and you're like, yeah, maybe that's not gonna happen. It's easy for reality to start setting into our life and telling us a different story that contradicts the dream that you maybe had within yourself. Now, when we're looking at the Bible, the number one place that we often go to is we're uh, talking about Joseph. And you've, you've read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He had a dream that someday that uh, his brothers would bow down to him, that the world would bow down to him. And then he gets sold into slavery and, he's, and everything's falling apart. But it's a wonderful dream. And then, of course, he gets promoted and he gets promoted and he gets promoted. And then eventually becomes the second most powerful man in the world. He's the equivalent of like the prime minister of Egypt. And he's one of the most powerful people in the world. And that all ended up with a manifestation of a dream that he had when he was younger. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about another Joseph who had a dream that he didn't want. Many of us, when we're thinking of dreams, they're often dreams of wonderful things that we truly desire. That's why we call them dreams and not nightmares, right? But oftentimes what sometimes can happen is God shows you something that he wants you to do and you're like, I, I don't actually want that. Can, can we switch this out for something else? I don't, I don't like the color of that dream. And like, God, that seems like more of a nightmare to me. That's not a dream. 
So let's look at this other Joseph that we already know about, and we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people <clears throat> from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks be to God for his word. By the way, a quick welcome to you if you're online streaming with us. We're, we're so glad to have you. Many people around the world are uh, become a part of our service uh, during the second service and we always love seeing you. We'll always love to know that you're there. Please log into the chat box and, and speak with us. Tell us what you need to be have prayer for. Um, we want you to know that, that you're special and that we love you as well and, and uh, be a part of our service by connecting with us. Joseph, here we are. Joseph, it says, was betrothed to this woman. Let's go back to that. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, was pledged to be married to Joseph. What does that mean? Well, today we know that when we're about to get married, there's two sections of our marriage, right? There's the engagement where you are committed verbally to this person, but you're not committed legally. You're only committed in your heart. You're committed in the sense that you tell everybody else, we're now committed to each other and we're going to get married. The second stage of marriage is when you go down the aisle, you stand in front of an officiant and then you take legal vows and that is the second part of your marriage. Everyone's probably experienced that to some degree. If it wasn't you walking down the aisle, at least you went to a wedding. But in the Middle East, there's actually three parts to a wedding. There's three parts to getting married. The first one is called engagement, which we're familiar with. That first part is where um, families really start to negotiate who should marry who, right? So uh, they do this, they still even do it today in the Middle East. It's a very common thing. And, and families will often marry off someone, uh, they'll, they'll marry someone, anybody, just pick anyone. They'll marry off their children to somebody else in another family because they want the reputation of that family. Now, I have an 11-year-old son and uh, I'm taking bids uh, already. If you got any daughters that you want to get married off, let's talk now and we'll start negotiating the deal with this. Uh, I've got 10 cows that I could trade for your 100 chickens and we'll do a trade-off, right? That's what they do in the Middle East. That's how they do it. Who would want to live their life that way and trade off their children that way? Anyone? Anyone? There was only one father in the first service and I realized, yeah, you want to be able to choose that your children will pick the right people. That's what it is, right? Who's with me? No? Okay. Just me and you. There we go. Yeah. Let's make sure that our children doesn't pick an idiot as a spouse, right? That's really what we're saying we don't want in our lives. 
So that's the first part of a, of, a, of a marriage that would have existed in those days. The second part was what they called the betrothal. We just read um, he was pledged to be married. Your Bible might say betrothed to be married. And betrothal is where they make <coughs> legal vows to be married to each other. So Mary was probably about 16 years old and Joseph was probably only a couple of years older. And they, after years, maybe they were uh, engaged to be married for years, but then they got to the second stage when they were old enough to be of marrying age because they were considered adult now and they were now betrothed to be married together. That's a legal section where they came together and they took legal vows with each other. But the thing is with betrothal in those days is that betrothal actually lasted for 12 months. That doesn't mean you keep saying, I do, I do, no, I do, no, I really do. I really am committed to this. Betrothal is where you take the legal vow and then they don't actually live together. They actually go and live with their families. They separate and live with their families. So if Crystal and I were betrothed to each other, we would come to each other and we say, do you take Crystal? Yes, I do. And then I go, yes, I do. And then I turn around and I just go right back home and go live with my parents. Who wants to do that, right? Oh, wait, wait a second. I just paid for this. I gotta go home now. This is this is not what I was looking for. That's the betrothal part. So you can see that Joseph, the shock that he had, that he was in the betrothal. He was in the legal part, but nothing had happened yet. And finds out that she was impregnated by someone else. Imagine how angry he must have felt. And the third part of a marriage in those days was the consummation. And we just read that in the last part. And they consummated the marriage. After 12 months, they come back together and they live together and they have sexual intercourse, right? And, <coughs> and what they do, in other words, is they come together and get busy with the whizzy, right? And consummation <laughs> means completion. It means perfection. All the children that are laughing, you don't know what I'm talking about. Just pretend, right? We don't know what they're talking about, right? It means consummation. It means completion. It means perfection, that they have now completed their marriage. This is what it is biblically. This is what I believe is spiritually. And even today, if you don't consummate your marriage, you can actually annul your marriage. An annulment is where you dissolve what it was. Even though you've legally gotten married, you can annul it. It's not actually a divorce. A consummation is a completion. And if you haven't consummated your marriage, in God's eyes, it's not completed. You haven't come together as one flesh. So here we are with Joseph. So we painted the picture of Joseph walking in and going, what is this? Wait, is you, you, are you putting on weight or are you pregnant? No, I'm pregnant. Wow, <laughs> right? No, I don't think so. You can imagine the irritation he must have had inside of himself. The shock that he had if you turn up, walk down the aisle and find out your future wife is already pregnant. It's not something a guy wants to turn up to and maybe vice versa. Well, guys can't get pregnant. But anyway, you don't want your <coughs> husband to impregnate someone else. Okay, so here we are with Joseph and it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, so let's, let's look at Joseph's character first of all, because when you find out that something has happened like this, it's kind of shocking. What was his response? Well, the first thing I can see with this is that it says that Joseph was faithful to the law. He was righteous. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to put God first in his life. He wanted to do the right thing. 
So the right thing would have been that he would have said, you know what, I have a different standard for my life. I have a different level for my life. I want to live up to the standard of God. And if I connect myself to you, I'm now going to be living at a level that is a lower standard than what I think God wants for me. And so it was, it was right and okay and legal for him to say, you know, let's just decide that we're going to annul this marriage. You go your way, I'll go my way. You can imagine the disappointment he must have had in his life. And it looks like, oh, he's just kicking her to the curb. No, he wanted to live a righteous life. He wanted to live a good life. And sometimes when you partner yourself with someone who's not righteous, their unrighteousness can infect you. Their ways can bring you down, which is why the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why? Because when you're, when you're living with them, sometimes their lack of faith can infect you. Even if you're married to a Christian who's just critical or is negative, their negativity and their criticism can infect you. So he wanted to live a righteous life. He wanted to be good. He wanted to do the right thing. But the second thing we see in his character here is that he was gracious. <clears throat> How is he gracious? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it says, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Very protective to some degree here. He didn't want to expose her to this public disgrace. Public disgrace wasn't just everybody going, oh, look at Mary, <laughs> what has she been up to? That's not the public disgrace. The public disgrace is that she would actually be dragged in front of the city leaders and they'd have to stone her to death. That was her culture. They would have had to have killed her because she was impure, because she was a, a standard of unrighteousness. So by quietly divorcing her, he was doing a couple of things. He was leaving her with her family because they hadn't actually come together yet to live together. And he was allowing her to secretly be able to have this child and quietly trying to save her reputation so that it would be kind of hidden away but he was also saving her from a public death in front of everybody. This is a gracious fellow. But the third part, the third thing that I see in his character is that he was also patient. And it says, but after he had considered this, after he had considered this. Now, think about this. If you're caught in a situation where you find someone has cheated you, there's a level of injustice and indignance that can rise up inside of you. I don't know if you've ever been through this before, but there's a point where someone cheats you or lies to you. There's a level where something inside of you wants to have your pound of flesh. Let's get this sorted out now. Let's get it out in the open. Let's talk about this stuff right now. What is going on? And you let your demand for justice to become vocal, which is why I think Facebook is one of the worst places for us to start telling other people what our true opinions are about life. Why? Because oftentimes you can start letting these things out and, and, and they're, they're kind of only by the momentum and the power of your emotion inside because you're hurt or because you disagree or because you're angry about something, but they are, they're rash. And now you have put it on a Facebook post and now the world can read it. You have now solidified it in people's minds of what you really think, but really it was an emotional response. This is what I love about Joseph, is that he considered this. He had the right to have an emotional response. He had a right to demand that his dreams shouldn't be broken. Imagine what his dreams were. He wanted a good wife. He wanted a good family. 
He wanted to be able to have a respectable business. He wanted to be a respectable fellow in the community. Maybe someday he would be a leader. Maybe someday he would be even a minister serving the temple. That's the stuff he wanted, but now his dreams are getting kind of crushed. They're being dashed. They're being broken in front of him. And what can often happen is when we find that things don't work out the way that we want, we reject it and we run to something else. I've seen this happen so many times. I'm not just talking about even relationships. I'm talking about your job. It's easy to go, you know, this job's not really what I want. These people don't really see who I am. This is not working out the way I want. And so we'll ditch that job and we'll run to another job. Or maybe this church, this church is not really what I was thinking. I don't really feel like I fit in. I don't like this particular thing. Let me ditch this church and I'll run to something else. Let me ditch this relationship and go somewhere else. Let me ditch this city and go to some other city. It's easy to run to somewhere else because the grass looks like it's greener on the other side. But it says that he stopped and he considered, he waited, he was patient. This was the character of Joseph. So let's look at now his dream. What was this dream that was going on? <clears throat> it says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Why would the angel appear in a dream? Why not uh, uh, awake? I don't know what you are like, but I don't have very many common, commonly have lots of conversations with angels, right? Angels are meant to be like nine or 10 foot tall, supposedly is what the Bible says. And imagine, as, as, I don't know, well, I don't even want to ask the question, how many of you have conversations with the angels? Maybe all your hands will go up and I'll feel left out because I don't have conversations with angels all the time, right? But if an angel turned up and had a conversation with me, I think I would maybe whiz myself just a little bit because it would scare the living daylights out of me, right? And so sometimes I wonder if God has to speak to us in our dreams because that's the time when we're most likely to listen. And sometimes I think our biggest problem with our conversation with God is that we, we, we have a conversation with God telling him the things that he can't do through us. Are you follow me? We often tell God what he can't do through us. Often our imagination even tells God what, we can't, what he can't do through us. And I wonder if sometimes God has to actually speak to us in our dreams to get us to shut our cake holes so that he can have the freedom to show us what he wants for us. I remember an old man telling me years ago that sometimes when you feel or you see a dream inside of yourself, you have to understand it's sanctified imagination. You see, God has given us an imagination, but oftentimes what we do is we use our imagination to think of the worst things, to dream up what could happen, why it would go bad, why we shouldn't do certain things. We start dreaming up all the reasons why we shouldn't do something by coming up with ideas of how it could all go bad. You see, what God wants to do is he wants to capture our imagination once again to show us how he can make it all go great. Even if it looks bad, he can turn it into something great. And that's why sometimes I wonder if God has to trap us in between being asleep and being just awake and allow us to see things in the midst of that twilight, in the change of the light to the dark and the dark to the light to manifest to us things that we could never see by ourselves. Has anyone ever experienced that before? You've seen it. You've seen things. And as soon as we wake up, we might think about it, we're inspired by it, but then the reality of life starts filling up our mind and we start telling God why he can't do those things through our lives. 
we need to often have dreams and allow God to speak to us in our dreams because that's the moment that we're actually willing to listen. We're actually willing to see. We're willing to shut our cake hole when it comes to it. The Bible says, be still and know that He is God. When are you most still? But when you're actually sleeping. The angel said this. He appeared to him in his dream and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are, listen now, and you, not anybody else, you are to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus is the same name for Joshua. It means God saves. In fact, it says later on that it was prophesied his name would be Emmanuel. It pretty much means the same thing. God with us, he will save. But God or the angel told Joseph, you are to name this dream. You are to name this thing that God is giving to you. I'll never forget, uh, so many of you remember Pastor Ted Yuku, who's uh, from Canada, who came and taught in our church quite a few times. I'll never forget the story he told here when he said he had a couple in his church where their marriage fell apart. In fact, the husband had cheated on his wife and they're sitting in his office. <coughs> and he said, we're talking through what's going on and, and we're trying to decide, are you wanting to continue with this marriage or are you done with this and you want to dissolve it? Where are we going? We know what's happened. We know where we're at. Question is, where do you want to go? And he said, the wife started speaking about the dream that God had given her for that marriage. And he said it was kind of a little awkward because you know when you're talking about all your dreams and how wonderful it should be and yet the reality says it's not that way, lady. It's crushed, it's broken. You're just a dreamer. You're thinking of things that you can't have. It's destroyed right now. He said, well, let's pray for those dreams to come to pass in your marriage. And he started to pray. And he said, and the wife just got up and she walked over to her husband. She put her hands on his head and she said, devil, let go of my marriage. Devil, let go of my husband because God has given me a dream for this marriage. God has given me a dream for this man, for my husband. And I refuse to let him be stolen from me because God's dreams are what I want in my life. And he said he was, Pastor said, said he was so moved by this that she decided not to be defined by what she saw, but be defined by what God had shown her and what would exist in her life. It's your job to decide what you name your marriage. It's your job to decide. If you think it's not the marriage you were hoping for, you've got to decide what God has called it. It may not be what you want it to be, but be, be about what God is calling it. He said, I want you to call it blessed. I want you to call it salvation. I want you to call it healed. I want you to call it redeemed. But you have to decide you're going to call it. The angel didn't say, hey, we've all chosen this and it's going to be, he's going to be called Jesus either way. No, he gave the power and the authority over to, to, to Joseph and said, you choose, are you going to call it what God has decided he's called it already? What's your job called? What's your single life called? What's your future called? What's your marriage called? What's your business relationships called? What's your finances called? Maybe your dreams are not what you want them to be. Maybe God has given you a dream which is completely different from what you expected it to be. Maybe you're living the life you didn't imagine to live, but sometimes God's great plans are hidden in the dreams we didn't ask for. And he's telling you, call it blessed. What are you gonna call it? What are you gonna decide it is? 
Just because you don't have what you want, you still have a responsibility to call it what God has called it already, your choice. You can leave it alone, you can walk away from it and decide that it's not blessed, your choice. But today you get to choose what you call that dream today. Joseph had a new dream. It wasn't the dream he wanted, but he had a new one that God gave to him. What is he gonna call it? Here's the next thing I wanna talk about, the final thing I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about the completion of these dreams. Because sometimes the completion of these dreams are not at the timing or the place or the way that you imagine those dreams to come to pass. It says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Okay, what an obedient man. What an obedient lad that he decided to do what he knew God had told him. Maybe he could have woken up and said, am I crazy? Did I, take some, did I eat some bad pizza last night and I took some crazy pills with this? Am I off my mind and my rocker that an angel's just told me, hey, don't worry about this, dude. Just take the Bible by yourself and just call him Jesus and everything will just be fine. Sometimes you wonder, are you going crazy? Are the dreams that you had, now that they've lost and you've got to take on this other thing, maybe I'm just nuts. He decided to say, I'm gonna trust God. He was obedient with God. But watch this. It says, when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not, what does that word say? He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. He did not consummate it. Sometimes I wonder if we're trapped in, two, in between two worlds. We're trapped in between this world of the reality that we live and the dream that we want to be a part of. We want to, be tra- we want to partake and, and bring into being the dreams that we really have, which might have been a good marriage, which would have been to have a consummation, a deep relationship physically and emotionally and spiritually with his wife. But he had to wait until he got to do that. He had to wait and be obedient until God had manifested what he was going to do and bring about the dreams that God wanted, not what Joseph wanted, but what God wanted. And he had to wait and wait and wait and wait until he could get to taste and see how God is good. He had to wait until he could taste and see the uh, 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 the joy of being a part of God's vision. If Joseph was here today, what would he say to us? I know what he would say. He'd probably tell us that we should be patient. He would tell us that it's so much better to live God's dream, to be faithful, because God is faithful. Years later, Jesus grew up as a man, and it's said that he had to learn obedience. Who did he learn obedience through and from? It was Joseph. You see, if Joseph was here today, he would say, stay the course, be faithful, because whatever God has shown you, he'll make it a hundred times better than what you could ever imagine. You see, I was a man who had to take on a woman who was gonna be my wife and I was disappointed because it's not the way I wanted things to start. It's not the way I wanted things to happen but because God showed me that I should stay the course, I was obedient. And I got to turn this boy Jesus into a man. 
You see, it takes a man to teach a boy how to become a man. And I chose to call him blessed. And I taught him everything I know. And when Jesus was about 30 years old, he finally became a minister of the gospel, a minister of his own gospel. But all these years, he became a good businessman. He became a leader in the community. He became a carpenter. He was just a good fellow. But when he became a minister of the gospel, he started to show other people the way for freedom. And one day there was a woman who was dragged in front of him and thrown right in front of him. And she'd been caught in adultery. And the city leader said, hey, Jesus, so we've heard that you're the guy who doesn't believe in killing people. You're the guy who's all about life and how, how, how God has come to give us life and life to the full. But this woman has been caught in adultery. And the law of Moses says that we should stone her to death and she should die for her sins. What do you say? And Jesus, he's walking, he's sitting there and he's drawing in the sand and he said, you know what, you're right. Moses does say that and that is the law and we should be faithful and righteous and just and keep to the law. But what I do know is this, that every person who has never sinned before, let's have you go first and you pick up the stone and you throw the first stone at this woman. Let me ask you a question. After all those guys walked away because they realized they couldn't stone this woman to death, where do you think that Jesus got the idea to not stone that woman to death? Where do you think he got the idea to not be the one who cast the first stone of doubt, the first stone of condemnation, the first stone of judgment upon someone else? He learned that for someone. It's easy to say, oh, he's God, he's Jesus. It's, it's something he was just born with. No, it said he had to learn obedience. I bet you he heard stories about his father and what his father did that saved his life. He heard about Joseph, who had to give up his dreams in order to take upon the dreams of God to not stone this young girl and end the life of Jesus himself as a human being. Someone had to make a decision to embrace the things of God. And he became like his earthly father. And he went about the business of saving people in the natural. And then he went about the business of his father's business and he saved people in the spiritual too. Listen, maybe God has given you a dream of how you're to live your life out, but maybe you're not the person who's gonna see the manifestation of that dream. Maybe you're the one who's gonna father the person who's gonna manifest every dream that God has planted inside of you. My father was younger. He dreamed of coming to America. He was the one who had a desire to come to America, but he didn't come to America to live. I'm the one who lived it out. And what my father sacrificed to turn me into the man that I am today, I get to live out the dream that God gave to my dad, but my dad didn't get to live it out. The question is, what is God putting in you? And are you keep putting a, a blanket on it, a wet blanket to suffer that, that fire of that dream inside of you? May the Spirit of Jesus Christ rise up within you to let those dreams come alive so that you will start feeding that fire. You'll start manifesting that dream that might just come to pass through your children and not by you. You have a decision to make. Do you wake up and decide that this is reality and I just have to suck it up? Or are you gonna to choose to say, Father, I will be obedient to everything that you have showed me through sanctified imagination? Some of you have dreamed of good marriages. Some of you have dreamed of being ministers of the gospel, of speaking in front of thousands. 
Some of you have dreamed of speaking to presidents. Some of you have dreamed of having businesses that fund the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you have dreamed of making your children that seem to be from blended families and you're having difficulties. Some of you have dreamed how wonderful your children are gonna make great new families and how they're gonna be the standard of Jesus Christ in society. What is your dream? What has God called you to? Keep it alive. Wake up and live it out through obedience, with graciousness, with righteousness, and with patience. Let's take the example of Joseph and live to that standard. Because today we're gonna to take communion. And I can only imagine what communion means to Joseph today. I can only imagine when he takes communion, he knew that he was one of the reasons for why we're able to take communion today. Joseph was the father for salvation. So if you've got communion with you, uh, I think some of the ushers, if you don't have it, just put your hand up. Can I have one as well, please? <coughs> and if you're at home right now, oh, thanks, buddy. You're my friend. If you're at home right now and you can get some bread or some water or whatever it is, just dash to the kitchen right now and get what you need to get. I want us to take some time together to remember not only what Christ did for us, but who else was involved in bringing Christ to us. Because God wants to make you involved in bringing Christ to other people. So as you open this up, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for Mary choosing to carry your son. And we thank you for Joseph choosing to turn your son into a man who could be the sacrifice for us. And Jesus, we ask that you would help us to be the mothers and the fathers who will spiritually adopt and father children that don't belong to us, but who are to become servants in your house. So we thank you for this juice right now that represents your blood. And we take this as our salvation. And we take this bread right now. We take this cracker, this wafer, as a symbol of your body, Jesus. That if your blood was the thing that did all the legal stuff, your body is the stuff that did the physical stuff. It healed our bodies. It healed our minds. It healed our stomachs. It healed our kidney stones. It healed our livers. It healed our hearts. It healed our brains, our psychologies. By your stripes we are healed in Jesus. We are asking that as we take this now, we are asking for your supernatural power to go into the parts of our bodies and heal them where they are weak so they might be strong. So we take this in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Father, thank you for finding righteous people. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, that you have made us righteous in this room today as well. Thank you that you have found us righteous and not considered 
any of our past, anything to accuse us of. Thank you for not throwing the first stone against us to kill us. Thank you for redeeming us. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that every person this morning would have redeemed dreams, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray for our minds, we pray for our spirits. Those dreams that we have had and still do have would come alive to be redeemed once again. And we give you the freedom to release your sanctified imagination inside of us. If we've been disappointed what we didn't get, Lord, forgive us. We choose to wake up and just be obedient, to stay the course. If it takes 30 years before we see the manifestation of what you called us to, we will be patient. Fill us now with your spirit. We ask this in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, amen. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Have a wonderful day.